Welcome to Here's to Almost. It's your host, Rachel Lithgow. Every week, we'll dive into stories of almost. From athletes to entrepreneurs to everything in between, sometimes life doesn't go as planned. I'm here to tell you that not all dreams come true. It doesn't have to be a bad thing, though. Tune in every Wednesday to hear inspiring stories of almost and how our almost can take us some pretty amazing places. I am very excited to be bringing you this week's guest, Sadie Werner. From a very young age, Sadie had her sights set on being a professional ballerina. She even moved away from home to pursue this dream. Currently, she serves as judicial clerk for the Nova Scotia Court of Appeals. Our conversation details the steps she took towards becoming a ballerina, what it was like to step away, and how she feels ballet translates into her practice of law today. Sadie, how are you? Hi, Rachel. I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. All right. So you have a very interesting story that I'm excited to bring to our listeners today. And um, I guess your story starts with ballet. Can we talk about um, your experience with ballet, how young you were when you got involved with that? I'm going to just kind of jump right in. Um, Yeah. So I used to be a ballet dancer. I was um, a bit of a latecomer to ballet um, as far as people who generally kind of track towards being professional dancers go. Um, I had taken dance classes as a little kid and then stopped for a number of years. Um, And I started ballet again when I was about eight years old, um, actually to support being a goaltender in hockey at the time. Um, And just sort of realized very quickly that like, wow, this is, this is my thing. This is, I love this. And so I went from there to being um, in a program at the National Ballet School of Canada. And then I moved over to professional ballet school, first at the Quinty Ballet School of Canada, and then uh, spent um, the remainder of my time in ballet school um, at École Supérieure de Ballet du Québec in Montreal. Um, yeah, and that was, so that was about uh, 10 years. And I came back to, to, Toronto, where I'm from, I danced there at a professional school doing a sort of a postgraduate time um, and got the opportunity to do summer programs at the Bolshoi and kind of went through that whole whole journey. Nice. So for people that maybe aren't as familiar with dance or ballet, can you talk a little bit about what schooling is involved with that when you say at the very beginning when you're going to ballet school? Like, is that ballet classes? Like, how does that work in the world of ballet? Um. Yeah, so uh, when you are going through and you'd like you'd like to join a ballet company at some point, that's your your goal. Um, you will you'll audition to go to a professional ballet school. Most of those programs start um, around grade five or six. Some start earlier, like grade three. You'll go through an audition process that involves an initial audition, and then if they select you from that initial audition. You'll spend your summer at the ballet school doing basically like a very, very intense dance camp um, for four to six weeks, depending on the school. And from there, they will select the students they'd like to offer to come to the school full time during the year. Um, And during the year, you're looking at basically you go to school in the morning. Um, So we went to school until about one o'clock in the afternoon. We did our academics and then you would transfer over to to ballet and you would dance from about two o'clock until six o'clock or eight o'clock at night. And you also danced for the full day on Saturday. 
Um, and in the summer, you would do the, the summer intensive again with the school, unless you were doing one at another school. Um, the other thing about being at ballet school that's a little bit odd or different maybe is that you you are effectively re-auditioning every year. Mm. Um, it's not guaranteed as you're going through school that just because you were there one year, you will be invited to come back the next year. Um, most schools tend to start with a larger class than graduates. So they might intake 24 students in grade five or six, and they're looking to graduate 15 or 16 students at the end. Um, wow. and, and some of that is people getting injured and dropping out. And um, quite a lot of it is students not being invited back. Okay, so there's just a point where they decide maybe you're not good enough and you're you don't get to come back. Yeah, you might not be um, progressing in the way that they they believe you're going to to become a professional dancer. Um, mm-hmm. It could also be that physically your body is changing. You know, and this happens to a lot of girls that your body changes in a way that the school looks at it and says like you're no longer going to fit the image. And, and obviously that uh, is a lot. You know, interesting. Um, to say about that um but yeah there could there are lots of reasons why students end up not being invited back to continue wow so it sounds like you went to a couple of those schools and those schools are all away from home correct so it's not like you're living at home um with your family and then going to school like maybe a normal uh, normal kid is like when you're in school for something like that like you're actually it's almost like a boarding school like you are living where you're going to school at a very young age Yeah. So um, like there are people who go in the city they're from. That's often just luck of the draw. There only are so many professional ballet schools. Um, I did not. Mm -hmm. So I moved away. I lived either with uh, host families or in dorms. Um, So I left home the summer I turned 14. Um, And that that is that is kind of an odd experience, obviously, to go through because you become very adult at a very young age because mm-hmm. you don't have a lot of supervision anymore. Yeah. Even, you know, your homestead family, they're they're not your parents. They're not responsible for making sure you get your homework done or making sure, you know, like they, they're making sure you're alive. <laughs> but no one is very actively like overseeing what's going on with you at that point. For sure. So like, that's, that's a pretty big um, sacrifice you're making from a very young age to be this professional ballerina. Like you're already leaving family where a lot of people, when they're pursuing things like that, it doesn't happen until you're much older, but you started at, you said 14. So that's a very young age to be away from your family and away from that support system. How, how was that? Did you feel, uh, were you just really excited to be like taking the steps towards becoming a professional or how were you feeling about all that? Um, I mean, so it had its ups and downs, um, obviously. And, and there were times, I think actually when I was younger, when like in the first year or so of doing it on a certain level, it was easier. Um, not that I didn't struggle to, to like when I would come home to visit my family, not that it wasn't hard to leave them again, um, to go back. Um, I think that as I got into being more of a teenager, when I got to be like 16, they got, it got harder. Um, you know, to be dealing with the weight of trying to to accomplish this thing and also not having that support system close to me. Um, the 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 thing is, though, when you're in that system, and I think it's kind of what you're even alluding to. It's you're so um, focused on the end goal and on what you're achieving. Your your mind, you're so kind of single track mind towards 
what you are working towards that this sacrifice of I am not with my family, I am missing maybe birthdays and holidays and all of these moments, like you're not um, thinking about it in that way because what you're working towards takes such priority in your mind and in your life. And, and it sort of has to in, in order to be okay being away from home like that. Um, but it, it definitely is not without challenge. And especially because um, ballet is, is something that gears towards being so young as so much of athletic do, ex, athletics does, right? Like you're so young when you're <laughs> needing to, to make this huge commitment to this is what I'm going to do. Um, that you're also going through all the realities of like being a teenager, but mm -hmm. you're doing it in the system where you're also trying so hard to perceive to to pursue this long term goal. Um, you know that it it kind of justifies the being away from home for you, and it normalizes. You know, the longer you're away, the the more it just becomes the status quo of your family and for yourself. Um, that you don't see your support system every day, and you you learn to work around it. But it was it's certainly not without its challenges. <laughs> For sure. Um, but at this point, ballet is something that you decided you're you're pursuing, you want to be professional. Um, I assume at some point some teachers have told you like you have the skill and talent to the potential to get there. Um, so I guess uh, what what does a day to day look like um, when you're in school? You already talked a little bit about you're in classes until then and then you're dancing. But how was the experience for you? Were you enjoying it? Were you having a good time? I know there's challenges and anything like that because it's a lot of hard work. But how was the experience for you? Um, yeah, so I mean, the experience was definitely, you know, it was it was up and down for sure for me. Um, overall, I, I loved it. Um, you know, and sometimes I look back on things and I'm like, I don't know why I loved that. That seems like it would have been really terrible. Um, <laughs> because, you know, you you're having this very condensed academic day and then you go you have um for us we would have a ballet class for two hours, a point class for an hour and a half, um, which is when you're in the, the point shoes. Um, and then you would have another class or potentially a class and a rehearsal after. So you could have contemporary or partnering or mm -hmm. you know, other uh, conditioning, physical conditioning classes. And, and also if you're getting ready for a performance, um, you might have a, a rehearsal of something. Um, yeah. So, you know, you're, I would say for me, that experience, um, Sunrise had a lot to do, whether it was positive or negative, had a lot to do with where I was at. Um, with myself and sometimes also the reinforcement you're getting from teachers if you're going through a period where you feel like you're falling behind you feel like you're struggling and like that long-term goal feels like it's slipping away the um, weight of the commitment can can start to be a lot and it can become a, a much less positive experience um, it's notoriously a world that has a lot of very unhealthy behavior that goes on and is very easy to fall into those behaviors um, when you're feeling so much pressure to to succeed at it. Um, and I there's the eating disordered behavior that is obviously super notorious. There's also behavior around like not admitting when you're injured, um, mm. continuing to dance when you're bleeding or being very proud of the fact that, oh, I bled through my tights and my shoes today, did a good day, worked mm. really hard. Um, you know, th these things that are, that are, are sort of strange <laughs> and weren't always healthy. Um, I would say, you know, on the balance, I, I always loved it. I loved ballet. The music would come on when I was in class and that was like, I loved it and it was amazing. Um, it, it doesn't mean that every day of it was necessarily a super happy experience, but 
the realities I think I, I wouldn't have stuck with it for so long if if on the whole it had been um a mm-hmm. really negative thing for me um and you know you you can also justify a lot of bad days when you're really committed to your goal um the the periods of like some of the kind of public shaming behavior that they engage in at ballet school where they will very actively in front of a whole group of people tell you why you're terrible at something or mm-hmm. tell you that you shouldn't be here you don't deserve your place um you're you're able to to push through a lot of that because you're just really dedicated to to making this work and and you have and you have a real belief that you will get there mm-hmm yeah, I mean, it sounds like there's definitely a lot of love for ballet to be able to push through some really difficult things like that and a belief in yourself. Um, I guess if you had it, could you pinpoint like what you love about ballet? I never, I mean, I danced when I was very little, as most little girls do, but it's always something I wished I had done. I mean, I don't know. I, I just was never something I wanted to do. Like now I look back and I'm like, oh, dancing is so cool. Like dancers are so cool. Like, is there something about dancing? I mean, from an outsider, it's just so cool to like move your body with the music. Like what was it for you that like ballet, like checked those boxes? Um, I think there was a number of things. Um, there is sort of the, the, the endlessness of, of the things that you can work on and, and perfect. And I, and I am a bit of a person who gears towards some uh, perfection oriented behavior and activities. Um, and there is something about the fact that you can do something over and over again, keep practicing it, do the spin again, do the spin again, do the spin again, and, and you will know when you have done it correctly. Mm-hmm. And you will learn how to replicate that and you will learn how to teach your body to do that and your mind to do that and how to put things together and how to to do these things that have this set standard and are perfectible. And and, and for, I think, just uh, for me, how my, my mind works like that, that's something that is... Um, comforting and that I I liked having this concrete thing um and I think you know I I try to break apart that there is like ballet as athletic which is so much of what your actual training looks like is not ballet as an artist and dancing around as a fairy princess though wearing a tiara and a sparkly tutu never (laughs) stops being fun um, you know, but there is there is ballet as the athleticism of, you know, doing thing of the technique and of perfecting things. And then there is ballet as the artistry um, of thinking about telling these stories, of thinking about these characters. Um, still, there are pieces of music I hear when I go to see the ballet that are so incredibly moving to me. And I remember dancing certain uh, things um, in La Bayadere or in Giselle that were so moving to me to be dancing and to be part of this body moving together of all of us doing it. Um, you know, those are moments that are, are hard to find outside of that. Um, in like for me personally, my experience, it's, it's hard to replicate what that energy feels like. Um, and that was always really amazing. That's great. That's great. So I guess throughout this ballet is very intensive. It's a lot physically. It sounds like a lot mentally as well. Um, how did it go throughout your career? Did you have any injuries? Were you pretty healthy throughout school? It sounds like generally as a whole, a lot of people push through injuries, but did you have any major injuries that came up? Um, yeah, so, so I had a few. Um, when I was 15, I broke my foot 
And in true ballerina fashion, I danced on it for five weeks while broken, insisting it was a mild case of shin splints, and it was fine. Um, and that went really well for me until because my foot was broken, I jumped and landed on it, but it didn't land actually on my foot. I landed on the side of my foot um, and rolled my ankle and sprained my ankle and then insisted it was fine for two more days until my toes turned blue. And they took me from school right to emergency because um, that's not healthy or OK. Um, so, so that was uh I think five weeks in a walking cast and then about two months of working back really slowly um, to get my ankle strong enough to, mm -hmm. to be fully back to dancing um, when I was 15 turning 16. Um, and then I had had um, when I was 14, a sort of minor um, back injury. And then when I was, 18, I um, had a fracture in my, in the, in a lower vertebrae, um, in my spinal cord, um, that I, I was interestingly able to dance through a lot of, um, and not, not without modification, um, but it happened right in a, a lead up to the nutcracker. It, it was the result of some uh, pressure that had started building in my back several months earlier that eventually led to sort of this, this fracture developing. So, so I'd had this kind of, um, strange incident happen with my back in the summer. Um, what, and then when I was, when I was eight, turning 18 and this pressure sort of built up in my back so that I ended up getting or having a fracture in my spinal cord. Um, and that, uh, that injury was sort of the beginning of the end for me. It was the injury that led to having to make some some really hard decisions about what the future of of dancing was going to look like and there, and there were other things that were playing into that decision other realities but that certainly became a contributing factor um was that eventual um spinal injury so when you have that injury initially are you thinking right away this is pretty serious I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to dance or at that point when it's in the very beginning stages, is it just like another injury that you got to do some rehab and you'll be back? Um, yeah. So initially I, I kind of, I think that I very much believed I was just going to push through it. And because it happened, I want to, you know, weeks out from Nutcracker, like we were into costume fittings already. I, like I sort of ha had this mentality that I very much was, was going to push through it. And it was going to be fine and I was going to push through it and it was going to heal just like everything else had. And then as time went on and on um, and months were going on and, and I, I will sit back and say, I did seek medical attention for this. I was not told to completely stop dancing. They believed it was fine with modification because of where the injury was. So I, I was being very safe. Everything was like doctors were monitoring. Mm -hmm. Um, and what I was finding, though, as time was going along, was just that I was so frequently in pain um, that the the future of being able to rehearse the number of hours I was going to need to rehearse and to to perform, you know, the number of shows you're going to perform and the kind of schedule that was feeling very up in the air suddenly about whether I was going to be able to do that. And, and if I was going to do it, how long I would be able to do it for um, before something much worse was going to happen. And I, I did 
um, we, we made a, I made a different decision than to continue to pursue going towards a company. And I did, I did dance in a company while I was in my, doing my first year, first semester of university. And I did end up, um, with, with like quite exacerbating that injury and, and in a position where I, um, struggled with walking for months. So, so I don't think that it was incorrect at the point that it became clear that this was going to weigh into the, the long-term decision-making. Um, but certainly when it first happened, um, you know, I, I think I wasn't in a position yet to be able to step back and really get perspective on, on it. And it took a couple months of dealing with it to realize like, oh, wow. Okay. This isn't, this isn't just going away. Yeah. So when you're having those thoughts, it's been a few months, you kind of had some time to sit on it, maybe realize the severity of the injury. At what point are you like, wait, this might, this might be it. I mean, ballet to my understanding was kind of always it for you from a very early age. Like that was the plan. So when you're starting to have some thoughts about this might be like more serious than anything else that I've ever had, and I might not actually be able to make it out on the other side. What, what's your mindset towards that? Um, I, you know, so I, I had already applied and deferred going to university at that point. Um, and I was just dancing and I was traveling back and forth from Toronto to New York to audition for ballet companies. Um, and I, I was really, I think it, it kind of all, there was sort of this cataclysmic um, moment of uh, struggle where I was going to auditions. They, a lot of them weren't going well. I did later get offered a position at a company, um, but auditions weren't going great. Uh, you realize when you got to these auditions that um, I was standing in this line of 500 other girls who looked exactly like me and were just as good as I was, um, you know, or better than I was. And what, you know, the reality of like just how competitive it was. And then I was dealing with that on top of the fact that um, I was in a lot of pain most of the time and I was taking a lot of ibuprofen to get through the day and things that you know were becoming really difficult and problematic um and it, it never it never really became an easy decision um to to decide to step away it was a decision that came with a lot of guidance from from my parents and from from others um, including people in the dance world who were looking at what was going on and looking at what the options that were available to me were and trying to help guide me towards what was going to be the best long-term option. Um, but at that point I, I did, I was starting to develop this awareness also that continuing to push through um, was creating a real risk that I was going to cause some, some much more severe long-term damage to my body um, that I, I may not be able to, to come back from her that was going to impact more than just ballet. It was going to impact the rest of what my life looked like and that it was going to, to probably be necessary or it would be wise to stop before I did that. Yeah. So when you're, when you're going through that, I guess you're having to make this extremely difficult decision. Did you ever have a plan B like what you were going to do in your life if you weren't going to be a ballerina? Like, you had mentioned attending university and applying to some universities. So I don't know if that, did that correlate at all with your plan B? Like you just want to get your education also just to be safe or 
um, when you're making that decision, like what is your plan B? Yeah. So, so, I mean, ballet is one of the things, like I always knew it wasn't going to last forever. Um, you know, um, like a old dancer would be like 45. Um, and most dancers do not make it that long. Um, especially mm -hmm. when you're not like, I was never on track to be a prima ballerina. Um, that was just never going to be where I was. Um, and most dancers who are looking at a career in the corps de ballet, who are looking at maybe becoming, you know, getting to the point of being a soloist, you're, you're not necessarily looking at having a 25 or 30 year dance career. You're looking okay. at, you know, having maybe five or 10 years of this being your life and then, and then moving on. So, so I always, um, had an intention to go to university either when I was done dancing or, um, you know, in the evenings or part-time as I was able to while I was dancing. So I, I had applied to university and deferred it um, initially to give myself a year out of high school to just focus on ballet, focus on trying to get into a company. Um, and then if that didn't work out, I was going to go to university. Um, when I was offered a position in a company, um, I, I actually did apply to a university where that company was with the intention of going part-time in the evening uh, while I was dancing. So that was always sort of my, my plan. And at the time that I was going through being injured and kind of having to really come to terms with whether this was going to be something that I could, whether, whether this was a choice I could continue making for myself. Um, I was also being recruited at that point by an American liberal arts college. Um, so I, I did have other options and I was certainly aware and keeping other options open to myself. At that point, I, I didn't anticipate pursuing them when I did. I thought that I was taking steps to, to set myself up for the future for when I was done mm -hmm. dancing. Um, but I, I was certainly, you know, it was, it was in my mind. I always had an intention to go to university. To be honest, I always had an intention to go to law school at some point. Um, and I, I really didn't see that as being, um, uh, as as immediate on the timeline as it ended up being for sure like you think you're being proactive and then suddenly it's like wait that's happening like right now it maybe needs to be happening right now so wow you've made the difficult decision that you have to stop ballet it's not good for your long-term health and um, at this point are you starting school um, you said you've always wanted to go to law school can you talk about kind of your um, inspiration behind going to law school uh, yes. Yeah, so, so the really easy answer to that is that my dad's a lawyer. Um, and, and I think, but in all honesty, like for, for a long time, um, especially before I started university and when I was, a when I was still dancing, I, I think that I always just kind of figured, well, I'll go to law school at some point because my dad's a lawyer. And so I, I know, I think a lot of us say that about whatever mm -hmm. our parents do when we're growing up, we're like, I'll just do whatever my, my parent does. Um, and my dad and my dad was a lawyer. So that's, that's what I thought I would do. Um, once I got into university, I, I did develop really concrete reasons <laughs> for wanting to go to law school. Um, I don't know how much I superimposed those onto things like in order to make the law school thing fit with what I was doing. But, but I do, I do also believe that it, it ended up working out for me regardless. Um, I started university. I did dance in a company while I was in my first semester of university um, in San Francisco. And that was I, like, I'm so grateful for that experience. And even though I ended up 
very injured from doing that. Um, I still believe that like that was the right decision to have made for myself at the time. Um, cause I don't think I was completely ready to, to stop dancing, um, professionally at the point that I started university and I, and I wasn't really ready to stop dancing at the point that I had to, um, even then. Um, and it certainly was, none of that was easy, but, um, I went into university intending to, to work towards a career in journalism. And I was really lucky to get to work at newspapers through undergrad, um, particularly I worked at the St. John's Telegram in Newfoundland and Canada and, um, a lot of my beliefs about the power of journalism really got put to the test that you, you thought you were going to write something. People were going to care so much. You were going to cause this amazing change. You were going to help this person. Um, that's not often how it works out, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and law school seemed like an opportunity to, to get on a trajectory towards doing something that I, where I could have a, a much bigger impact. Um, you know, and, and I think that that's true and it isn't depending upon where you end up in law, obviously. Yeah. So I want to jump back to ballet one second. So you had said by the time you had to walk away, you don't think you were quite ready. I mean, how can you ever be ready for something like that? Right. Like you, even with something like ballet that, you know, maybe is going to, if you have a healthy long career, like it's going to still end on the earlier side, just because of the nature of ballet. Like I still, like it's just such a big part of your life, right? Like, how are you ever really ready? I think that makes a lot of sense when it was time to step away, did you have people that you turned to maybe other people you knew that had injuries or just people that had retired from ballet at that point that you turned to for support? Um, so not, not initially. Um, and, and I think kind of with, but within about a year, I, I did have people, I kind of found other people, but, um, so when I, when I initially stopped, uh, was, was trying to make the decision about going to university or going to, to try to do a year at this ballet company and see how I did and see how much pain I was in and all of that. Um, one of the things that I was, I was told very, very actively, um, and I, and I very much believe this is you can't, you can't foresee regret. You can't predetermine or, you know, know in advance if you're going to make a decision and regret that decision, especially with these huge life decisions of like, am I going to just do this year at this ballet company, see how it goes, try, you know, maybe I will end up worse, more injured, maybe it will be great, maybe it'll be terrible. Or am I going to like walk away now and and go to university? Um, You can't really, um, you can't really foresee that in advance. So you sort of have to make what you think is the best decision based upon the information available to you. Um, and I think for me, while in the long run, it was the right decision. Um, it it was also really difficult at the time because I didn't feel ready to walk away. And, and I don't know that you ever could be ready. Um, I, I certainly knew friends who were more ready than I was, um, that they felt, uh, they had had more agency in that decision than I Mm. felt that I had. I felt like, a lot of that decision was being made for me um, as a result of circumstance, either because of injury or because of external pressure that I was feeling to to pursue a different path at that point. Um, I, I very much felt like that decision was, you know, I, I was lacking as much agency as I would have liked. Um, and so the first the first couple of months were really, really extremely difficult. Um, you know, I, I got to university feeling completely lost 
because this thing that had been my entire identity for 10 years, all of a sudden that was gone. Um, and I, I had never really stopped and gone, who am I? What do I want to be? What do I want to pursue? Because I had had the security for so long of knowing what that was through ballet. Um, you know, I think I spent the first month of university crying myself to sleep every night. Um, and within a couple months though, I connected with some other girls who I had danced with previously at summer programs, um, who had all left ballet around the same time and, and for, for a variety of reasons. Um, and that was really lovely to have and really helpful to have other people to turn to. And we also started making um, decisions that, you know, we, that were really helpful for all of us and were sometimes unconventional of ways to start to disassociate the image of yourself as a ballerina with the image of who you are now. Um, you know, so like we all dyed our hair. And everyone else dyed their hair crazy colors. I didn't go quite that extreme, but I, I did have my redhead years. Um, but like that was actually incredibly helpful for me in moving past ballet because I could look in the mirror and not see the person who had been a ballerina. I looked different than I had then. Um, and having, you know, people who were thinking about how do we make this transition and who were also going through that transition was really helpful to me. And, and I did also rely on the mental health services available through my university. Um, I was lucky that those were available at the time. Um, you know, and I, and I think that those were, were a really good resource also. Um, but it, it certainly is not, I don't think those transitions are ever easy for anyone. And it certainly was not for me. Absolutely. I think when you talk about the lack of agency that hits it right on the head with something as big of like an injury like that with such a, like, it's going to be your career, although a short career, cause it's ballet, it's, it's the career, it's the dream, it's the goal. Um, and not having the agency to decide, no, I'm done. It's kind of your body and other circumstances saying you're done. It's, it definitely feels different. You still had to be the one to make the decision, but it doesn't, it feels like your hands a little bit forced. So I totally understand what you mean when you say that. Um, I think also when you talk about, after all these years of ballet, it's gone. It's it's maybe not gone, right? I mean, obviously ballet in its truest sense, when you can dance, like that's gone. But are there things that you feel that have translated from ballet into like your personal life now or your experience as a lawyer? Yeah, I, look, I mean, I, I think definitely like it's still, it's it's a huge part of, of who I am and what my story is and it, it carries forward. Um, all of those years of developing that, work ethic that you needed to get through ballet like that doesn't just go away you apply it to other things all those hours in studios um you know that that transfers into other things you do it translates into school it translates into work um you know it's you're developing all of those skills and all of that self-discipline that doesn't go away um it's Ballet sometimes doesn't seem to be terribly creative because it's so technical, but it it does require um, really being able to think creatively within restriction, um, which is something that as a lawyer comes up a lot. You know, you're dealing with the laws that exist and the precedent that exists, um, and you need to be able to think creatively within that, and that's that's hugely important. Um, and I will also quite freely admit, like. Having been a ballerina um, is is an unconventional backstory, and it's something that helped me get where I am. It's something that is interesting 
to people. I, I know it's what helped me get into undergrad. It's come up in every interview I did for a law firm. Um, people would ask about it always and about that experience, um, you know, because it is it is somewhat un unconventional. And I, I think that it's something that very much I carry with me. And, and I do still take ballet classes. It's not 100% gone from my life. It is gone from what it was. Mm -hmm. uh, but it, it certainly has elements that um, because of, of how much it shaped me as a person translate into what my life looks like now and what my work looks like now as a lawyer. Thank you so much, Sadie, for sharing all that. That's such great insight. And the whole part about creativity in law, I think is so fun because I don't think most people think of law and creativity in the same sentence. So um, I, I mean, it makes a lot of sense to me when you explain it that way. So just thank you so much for sharing your story with us. And um, I really appreciate having you on here today. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Here's to Almost. Know someone going through a tough time or someone who could use a little extra inspiration? Share this episode with them to spread the good that can come out of our almosts. If you enjoyed today's episode, I'd love to hear from you. Give us a review and subscribe to never miss an episode. Whatever your almost is, I hope you're one step closer to finding that good on the other side. Have the best day.